are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, it's the one and only Mr. Kevin Derso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? <sighs> well, <laughs> if you had asked me that question all the way up through Thursday evening, really into Friday morning, I would have told you that I'm doing pretty good. Okay. And then Chuck Fletcher dropped his drawers and dropped the deuce on it. So (laughs) in case you haven't heard by now, we're just jumping straight into it. The lead story today on the You Would Think the Philadelphia Flyers podcast is going to be Tony D'Angelo. I'm going to try really hard not to put too much energy into this because he doesn't deserve it. Um, In case you're unfamiliar, uh, Tony D'Angelo is, uh, shall we say, a, a questionable human being. Uh, I'm going to say allegedly, because I'm not trying to get sued here, uh, allegedly had a parlor account, allegedly had multiple burner accounts, allegedly had this, allegedly had that, uh, was, factually was suspended in the OHL twice, uh, including at least once for a violation of the uh, the league's language policy regarding homophobic abusive language. Uh, we don't know exactly what was said but it was you know the technical i think term for it was something about it's like language and diversity type of thing right which you can piece together the words that go in between that type of stuff right we don't need to go into it but he was saying derogatory things to a teammate nonetheless that's a theme that we'll get to later that's the way i've been putting it kind of Larry, like in my head i'm like he said some derogatory there was also an abusive and abusive official incident that got him suspended later in his junior career he was that happened multiple times also because i think he did in the ahl too and he was also suspended in the nhl for abusive official as well um, but wait, you might say that was several years ago. He's learned. He's gone to therapy, which he's talked about. He's gone to counseling. He has apologized. He is a different person. He is just coming off a one year prove it deal in, in Carolina that he signed because the New York Rangers jettisoned him. He got punched in the face by a teammate and the team sided with the guy who punched him. That should tell you all you need to know about Tony D'Angelo and the kind of person that the Philadelphia Flyers have brought into their locker room. Now, you might be asking, well, was it was it cheap? Is he signing as a free agent? No! No! Chuck Fletcher gave up three draft picks, including a second, a third, and a fourth round pick for the rights to sign him as an RFA, to which he then signed him to a two-year, $5 million per season extension. Okay, hold on. I'm stopping you right there for a second. Because- okay. We need to do some clarification on st- uh, on the on the deals. Here. Please. First of all, the the contract extension is not official, so I want to tread that's lightly. That's fair. That I is fair. Tread lightly on the two year five million per. Thing that is the number that's being floated around, but it is not official yet. It is not official, and he has not signed yet. That's the first part. That's fair. The in fairness, and this is a good point. The draft pick thing. It's it was three draft picks staggered over multiple draft years. Fair. And as an RFA. If you would have offer sheeted the guy, you would have given up a first round pick next year and a third round pick next year to get him. Okay. Just for an offer sheet. Right. So instead of doing it, so instead of giving up a first round pick, you had to trade a second and a fourth to make it balance out. And the fourth is three years down the line. The set or the second is three years down the right. Yeah, the second is three years down the line. The fourth was this year. They're staggered. The the fourth was this year. The third is next year. The second is in twenty twenty four. My problem with the draft picks is not in the deal. It's it, not in this deal itself. And I'll no. And I'll elaborate on that as we go through the discussion because I'll get yeah. to like we need to talk about him as a player too. 
to get to that point where I sure. explain why I don't like the draft pick compensation thing going on here. So the second round pick being in 2024 is part of my problem because there's a real chance Chuck Fletcher is not the general manager at the 2023 draft. And that's not even talking about the 2024 draft. I'm talking about next year. Right. And I'm still fully of the opinion that if you're, if Chuck Fletcher's gone, we should be heading towards a rebuild. Because at a certain point, you just have to accept failure. And we'll get into a little bit of a bigger discussion about Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren, I'm sure, later on. Because make no mistake, by the way, this was not a Chuck Fletcher move. This was Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark saying, go get this kid. Because make no mistake. I don't know, I don't know about that completely. No. Like, I make no mistake. The kid is an no. offensive dynamo. He is everything we wanted Shane Goss to spear to be. To be fair, and like I, that's the You're only comparison we can make. Not wrong that it's a team effort in terms of the, this group of people gets together and signs off on everything. So when it happens, yes, like or or, or it feels like they sign off on everything. You're not wrong about that, right? I, I don't. I'm not sitting here telling you they're in the room like completely. It, like for all I care, they're sending a text message to somebody going, "Hey, by the way, what do you think, Tony D'Angelo?" Right? Like it still means you're asking for an input. Oh, I think at minimum. I think Chuck Fletcher probably knows that he's managing for his job at this point. And oh, absolutely. He's going to be bringing in the best personnel, kind of regardless of moral character, as we see here, or future costs, right? Like that second right. in 2024 has the potential of being kind of the 33rd, 35th pick in the draft if the Flyers are bad at that point. Like that could be a solid draft pick. And, you're, you know, you're, you're talking about the second, right? Yeah, and then I don't know. That's in a couple of years, and we're talking about a guy who's not going to play till 2027, 20, 28, blah, blah, blah. I understand that, and I know we're talking no. down the road. Mm -hmm. But that's the problem with this team is that every decision is made for the next 18 months. And who is the last person who thought beyond that time frame? Ron Hextall? We saw what happened to him. When is the last time the Philadelphia Flyers had a plan beyond two years outside the Ron Hextall era? Has it ever been the case? You know, well, here's the no, it hasn't been the case because that's the way they operate. Like, right. like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. If if everybody wants to hear the word rebuild, it's not coming. They don't know. It's not in their vocabulary. They've never rebuilt this team, never, and nope. it's not going to happen now. Like, it's just not. That being well, first of all, the Hextall thing is different because did he have a plan with a vision that lasted more than a couple, like like eighteen months, like you're saying? Yeah, he did. Was he also a complete tyrant? Yes. Fair. Fair. Like, you've got to be careful with like the method of like the you know the madness behind the method here. You like, don't want to give him too too much power in the organization. I understand. Right, like 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 whether or not, and whether or not that has to do with he didn't listen to people. Whether or not that had to do with the alumni getting shut out, and that's what pisses everybody off and says get rid of this guy because he's abandoned. Now, granted, as an alum himself. Speaking right. of speaking of prickly relationships, you're you're aware of the whole uh, Evgeny Malkin contract situation, right? Well, sure. I mean, quick little detour here. Speaking of Ron Hextall pissing players off. <laughs> so, in case you haven't heard, uh, several Pittsburgh Penguins free agents are up for new contracts this season, including Chris Letang, who recently signed an extension, and Evgeny Malkin, who has not. 
and it, it is starting to circulate that he may not be particularly happy with how negotiations are going. And I got to tell you, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. What, Malkin? Or, yeah. Uh, okay. All of the above. Um, I, I do. I want to see something for a second because I want to make sure I got this from the right. They, they got their cups. They can just move to Kansas City already. <laughs> sure. Whatever you want to say about that. Um, okay. Um, by the way, and this is not like a report, but just a thought. Sure. On, uh, while you mentioned Malkin, I got a text from somebody who know, like kind of a know, know somebody who knows somebody kind of thing that said, don't be surprised if Detroit makes a play for Malkin. Oh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. That's, uh, but I'm just telling you what I, uh, that that's something Man. that I've heard. The eyes are playing. Oh. And it doesn't sound, it doesn't at all sound far-fetched at all because you look at the way that that team has the youth kind of coming through. Maybe that's the guy you go for. And I'm, we're going to talk about another veteran free agent who could have a likely destination because there's a heavy youth movement somewhere else. And we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, let's let's, let's circle back to Tony D'Angelo here. We we can talk about kind of the goings on around the right. trades. Did you, the, actually, yeah, did you actually finish your thought or like, did you get sidetracked by the... The Bob Clark, Paul Holmgren. I'm sure I probably got sidetracked. But the thing is, okay, so you're bringing this guy in, and you're probably going to pay him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if if this five million dollars is where it comes to be, right? He's right up there. He's he's getting paid like a top four guy, mm-hmm. and he's probably going to be your power play one guy. That's kind of why you're bringing him in. He's right. one. He's one of the most offensively dynamic defensemen in the league. I, I will give him that. Mm-hmm. Problem is his five on five is fine. He he is essentially Shane Goss's bear. Right. Like I said, maybe a little bit. Okay, if if rookie Shane Goss's bear was slightly more sustainable. Like remember when he came in with just that head of steam and was lit the world up for forty games. Tony D'Angelo um, has essentially transposed that across you know a two hundred three hundred game NHL career, however long he's been in the league at this point. Like I will give him credit for that. On the ice, he is a very solid player, especially on the offensive side of the puck. Mm-hmm. But are you willing to drop someone who has been essentially a ticking time bomb? And like sure. we talk about the Tom Wilsons and the Brad Marshans, and eventually the on-ice shenanigans are going to cost you. And that's not necessarily what you're worried about with D'Angelo, although he has shown a little bit of a temper on the ice, especially when the team goes through a little bit of a losing skid. Right. All right. Which I'm a little worried about, given how last season went. Hello? Yeah, sure. But it seems to me as though he's a firework. And we're we're talking less than a week after the 4th of July here. Right. And the Flyers were a bit of a powder keg last year. Right. And we have just dropped a live firework into a powder keg. And put John Tortorella as the head coach. Right. <laughs> does anybody else smell gas? Like, does anybody else think it's about to blow up in all our faces here? All right. So you've left me with a lot to unpack. Sure. Right. Okay. So let's let's start by doing. Let's start with with an with an agreement of something, which is you can't deny the checkered past. It's there. It exists, and everybody has like. Like there's a lot of people out there with the comments like, "Why are so many people bringing this stuff up? Why are they writing this?" Because we have to. Because right it matters. No, we have to right now. Because yeah. basically, this isn't. I don't care if the kid's local. Okay, I don't care that Tony D'Angelo is local. 
you have to like my job is to they acquired this player here's your introduction to this player yep. and this is what his career consists of so i have to detail that now in saying that and i want to lead off when i talk about him going forward uh, this is i got i have my job is to cover him as an athlete playing in philadelphia yep i'm if, if i like let's just like if i every game preview i write I do a top, like, here's the team leaders, top five guys in points. If he's in the top five in points, his name's getting listed, whether you like the guy or not, sure. because that's that's factual, too. He plays for the team, and he's among the top and five. And your job points. is to report the facts about the team, and I now think that, we all now, understand that. Now, there's now that's twofold, because that means his on-ice successes get reported. Like, I can't just gloss over him scoring a goal. If he scores a goal, he scores a goal. Sure. If you'll, you'll have to tweet out a graphic for him. If something happens, then it's our job to get behind it here. Like, if there's a report that comes out like, hey, he had a fight with so-and-so. Oh, trust me. We'll be talking about it. Then we've got – no, but then it's our job to do it. It's our yep. job to – if it comes out, you got to bring it to light. Right. Because that's how everything else has happened. If he, if there's conduct detrimental to the team. Oh, man, I haven't heard that phrase since Drew Rosenhaus was in town. <laughs> Oh boy! I when, really don't when, like when do we get Tony D'Angelo doing sit-ups in his driveway? Come on now! I really don't like the fact that you just threw my name in the same like me in the same sentence as Drew Rosenhaus. I really don't like that for some reason. Like next question. Like, yeah, it makes me feel like I need to move on here. Next um, question. <laughs> but um, like yeah, we're, we're gonna be here for all of that, right? Like my job is to be here for every ounce of it. Oh, now, look, if if you're listening to this podcast, you know we are here for the good, the bad, the ugly, and apparently the now, Tony D'Angelo. No, now here's what I will say: this it is a fact, true statement here. His year in Carolina, he was well behaved, and whether and and that depends. That can depend on a lot of factors. One Small is market. Easy uh, to stay under the radar. Uh, that is, but that is one. You're may, right. May or may not be in the South. Well, hold on. That's a joke. That, that is what, no, but it, okay. The, yeah, the South thing is a joke. That was a joke. The small market thing is true, though. It's not, I know. It's not New York and it's not Philadelphia. He can so walk around York. Piggly Wiggly and not get recognized 100%. I know. Sure. Okay, that's number one. Number two, something that I do think the Flyers actually have that can benefit this a little. He had Rod Brindamore last year, and he's going to have John Tortorella now, and these are coaches that, know, first of all, know how to talk to players, and second of all, preach i don't think they just preach structure on the ice they preach it off too like you better be able to up uplift your own Ro teammate and rod especially and harmonize yep. that locker room and like but, but there was some dissonance at times he got discordant in in carolina he expressed some unpleasantness he was healthy scratched a couple times was he i don't I'm, remember I, that. I believe he was i don't I remember that wrong about that I but i believe he missed a couple of games I know he was healthy scratched regularly and with the Rangers toward the end. Well, to, I mean, point, no, well, yeah. When, the when the guy who's not even going to be your future starter yeah. punches you in the face, right? When they just traded Alexander Georgiev for, quite frankly, not a whole lot. So they really picked the temporary backup goalie right. over, temporary. The, over the 40 goal pace defenseman. Just so right. you know, sure. just for I some context. And I know you know that. Right, but everybody else. I right, guess. if you're listening to this show, um, a defenseman who can score 40 got waived. The entire league passed on him, and it wasn't because of his contract. He wasn't making that much money. They bought him out. Yeah, they did it to get completely get rid of him. And then they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Hello. Yeah, I hear you. 
Well, that's not the only reason they made these. I understand. Yes, I get your point. But it it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt. So I do think the coaching styles are similar, like similar, like you, you know, a Rod Brindamore had to keep him in check. High expectations. And a a John Tortorella has got to keep him in check. That's that's part two of this, you know. So, yes, he played in a small market, which helps. Yes, he played for a coach like Rod Brindamore. And I guess the third thing would be, um, you know, Carolina only won the Metropolitan Division. Like they were good. They were very good. So you actually said the number one trigger problem, which is losing triggers him. You know, he doesn't like to lose. And that's listen, there's nothing wrong with being God, a person. And he would lose. and he would hate that you're calling him triggered too. That's the funniest part. Well, no, but it, it, how else would you like me to describe it? Like, usually no. the source of these on ice or or locker room incidents has to do with long losing stretches or or poor play from himself. And like, you it, know, it's funny that you say that because the only other player I've seen do that over the last, or nah, not the only other player, we've had a lot of Flyers give up over the last couple of years. But in my opinion, one of the worst defenders of that, especially during that shortened 2020 season. And by guilty of, I mean uh, giving up when the team goes on a little bit of a losing streak. Yeah. You have any ideas? We are you talking? You're talking the 2021. Uh, the shortened, yeah, the shortened 2021 season, 56 gamer. Yep. Okay. Because I was gonna say shortened 2020. I'm thinking like they you went know? into the bubble doing pretty well, so it's, it probably wasn't that. Oh, no. Um I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of who looked bad, bad during that season, especially when the team started going south. He may or may not have uh, commented on the Instagram post. Oh, I see. I don't like. I'm so not on Instagram. Oh no, I just saw the post because Tony D'Angelo gave his. Oh, I'm so happy to be a flyer, and I can't wait to pull on the orange and black. Hold on a minute. You you mean the guy who also tweeted he was done with Philly when they didn't draft him? I'm look look. If if you're gonna come in with baggage, prepare for it to be unpacked a little bit. You know, like that's part of the that's part of the deal here. This is the way people cover you, but. Um, I've anyway. t- I've talked on this show about a bit of a cult forming in the Philadelphia Flyers locker room, and I have jokingly referred to it as the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee, and that's something we will talk about a little bit later when we talk about free agency. By the way, is that really what it is, though, or is it really just at this point is it just the Kevin Hayes friend club? And that's exactly where I'm going here because we this, this upcoming roster is going to have Kevin Hayes. It's going to have Cam Atkinson. It's going to have Tony D'Angelo. It's going to have kind of Patrick Brown, right? There's, I'm still not convinced that they won't bring Keith Yandel back, even though I don't necessarily think they will. No, I I think that it may very well have Johnny Gaudreau. Like I mentioned, we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's a large chunk of your locker room. It becomes it. Yeah. Would you just get five players? That's a, quarter of your lives 25 and, percent of and your it's life. a lot and it's a lot of veterans on a team that's gonna have a lot of young bodies on it this year that's a big chunk of your veteran right. core right and i am severely worried i mentioned the powder keg a little bit earlier i mentioned john tortorella standing outside smoking a cigar ready to flick it onto the barrel I, well I'm not saying it's going to go poorly because I do see a world where this team comes together and wins well, right, 12, like, wins twelve out of the first like, sixteen and like just rolls. Like you know, you know what I want to do right now, based on where you're going with this. I feel like this is like almost a time to collect receipts, and this has nothing to do with D'Angelo. 
The okay. collectors and the people who don't love like and I'm not saying I'm in love with the Tortorella hiring, but for sure. the people who are like so against it, it's like if you're thrilled with the way this te- with the direction this team is going during this season, if he somehow brings this whole group together, then you've got to acknowledge he's a great coach. You have Fair. no choice. If they overachieve this year because of John Tortorella leading the charge here, you have no choice but to accept how great of a coach he is because this the whole roster in its current construction screams that it's going to blow up in their face. Yep. And if, if it does not, then you have to give credit where it's due to if, the coach there every day. Yep. This if this team does anything, if this team makes some sort of magical mystical blah blah blah, it has to start early. And it has to start very early without Joel Farabee because he's missing the first couple of months of the season, correct? Yeah. It's one of the if, biggest concerns for me. Now, if now you can come out and start 12, if you can start 12, 4, and 2, and you win 12 of your first 18 games, and the ball's rolling, and the boys are gelling, and, you know, Joel Farabee's getting close, and things are coming together and the boys are learning the system and Carter Hart's playing well and Ryan Ellis is back and starting to get healthy and maybe, maybe, maybe. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know all I want to do is sit here and tell you about how they're going to win 60 games and win the Metro because that's just who I am. But that's not what I see for this team and this offseason and the moves Chuck Fletcher has made. Quite frankly, the moves Chuck Fletcher has made have been... At very bare, basic bones minimum, questionable. And I could easily make an argument that they've been atrocious. So I, I want to go back. Let, let, let me circle back for, for a second. Yeah, brought, yeah, yeah. Because you brought up Farabee and the injury there. And I want to tie all this back together with D'Angelo because of the fact that it, the reason this is such a big deal is because of what it means what it represents, what the whole deal is going to represent. Because, first of all, why do you make this trade? You know, strictly from a hockey standpoint, why do you make this trade? You make this trade because you don't know what you're getting with Ryan Ellis right now. And basically, one week after you said, we'll see, you know. He's about to start his rehab. Progressing a little bit, but like we're, and there's hope, but there's like, we can't be certain. You just admitted you don't think he's going to be ready for the season. Why would you sign a guy, a trade for a guy's rights, and then sign him for $5 million a year? Like, you can't afford that type of contract pretty much unless you put L- Ryan Ellis on LTIR. It's really the only way it works. So right. you may, you went in from saying hopefully to almost a indirect admission he's not going to be ready. Right. Now, well, let's take, now let's take D'Angelo's role, and this is why I don't like this trade. Because you hit the nail on the head. To me, I, I, I put him in the same like I put him in the same tier defenseman as Travis Sanheim and Rasmus Ristolainen in the sense that he's good at something, but he's not good at everything. Right. Like and or not even that like I don't want to say that about Sanheim, because I think Sanheim can play both ends of the ice. I don't want to say he's not good at both ends of the ice. But, right. but he's not great, right? Right. So he's in that level where you, you know what you're going to get, and it falls into that second pairing at best, right? So now what you're either doing is is that he is – D'Angelo is either – if that contract is to be exact what it is, he's either a very cheap first pairing replacement for Ellis where 
at that point, to me, you are stretching it with his ability because, like, I'm right. sorry, putting him next to Ivan Provorov is not putting him next to Jacob Slayton. Well, and Ryan, there's rumors that, you know, Ivan Provorov may be being looked at as a potential trade candidate. So, I mean, that's not even necessarily who he would be playing against. But there's, there's definitely a lot of offseason left. Um <laughs> Right. So, so, but now, so take it the other way. That's, that's the high end of what they could try to do with him. Like he's the direct Ryan Ellis replacement and he falls in line with that first pairing plays with Ivan Provorov, but he's not really a first pairing guy. Right. Then you take the alternative, which is, you know what, right now, as of, you know, as of Thursday, they had an un, they had a gigantic question mark with Ellis on the top pairing and they had Nick Sealer playing next to Cam York because there was, like there's time to figure out who the bottom pairing guy was like sure. free, free agency rolls around. You get a low risk, high reward type guy. You try, you try like We talked about this last week. You try to replicate Keith Yandel without it being like, Hey, a guy who you have to play for the Ironman streak. Like you get a guy who you think can fill that role nicely next to a young player. Right? Like, you know, a name who some, I, I don't remember exactly who floated it out on Twitter. So forgive me for that. Cause I, I see, I've seen so much this week. It's hard to keep track. But somebody floated the name Dylan DeMello out there, and I'm like, that would be perfect. Yeah. You know, throw a guy like that next to Cam York on the third pairing, and, and, he, and he's cheap, and you got exactly what you needed. Right? Sure. But that's what you go for. If this is where D'Angelo plays, $5 million for a third pairing <sighs> defenseman slash power play specialist is a joke. And you're putting them next to one of your kids. And, there, you know, there's that risk of, again, you're just talking about a toxic personality. You have to consider it. I don't want him in the locker room with Joel Farabee. Nonetheless, Cam York. Well, he's going to be, though. That's the problem. I know. I know. That's why I'm not happy about this trade. Right. But you're basically like, okay, you're basing a lot of it off of the loose cannon that he could be. Right. I'm looking at, like, to be honest. Purely from a hockey perspective. That's fair. Well, no, no, no. It's not that I'm trying to dismiss it, though. It's just I'm sitting here going, it doesn't even make sense from a hockey perspective. Like, it's no secret, okay? Like, listen, you knew this the second that Carolina signed him, and the Flyers were trying to get him last year too. Right. It was out that, like, it was out there that was possible, but it never worked out that way. But you knew from the second that even Carolina picked him up that, like, listen, morals don't mean jack in professional no. sport. No. Nope. If if a guy if they th- you think a guy can help you win, you're gonna pick him up whether you think he's got a, you know, whether he, whether you think he's a saint or whether you think he's a horrible human being. Right. Like. It doesn't seem matter. We've seen it in every professional sport. So really, yep. like, there there is no this is there's no exception to the rule here. Every every sport's got them. Um, but I just looked at the hockey fit and I'm going, either you think the guy's an Ellis replacement, which he's not, or he's an incredibly overpaid, exactly what Shane Gossespierre was supposed to be, like role wise, third pairing power play. Do you think he's a? Uh, it's a player you just compared him to not that long ago. Do you think he's an upgrade over Travis Anheim, and maybe he's on his way out the door? Because I, I don't think Chuck's done. I certainly I don't, don't think we're done here. I don't think Travis Anheim is out the door now. Okay. I think that if this season goes off the rails, he's gone at the deadline because he's going to be one of the easiest trade chips you've got to move. Oh yeah. Like who wouldn't want a guy in that age group, that level, like? Can play the, theoretically, you're getting a first round pick for Travis Anheim at the deadline. You if could, you need to. I think yeah, you could. yeah, theoretically. Um, but and I don't like this is the thing I don't want to dismiss with D'Angelo that he's gonna put up points, sure. If he's gonna play on this power play, and depending on what else you decide to do from here, he's going to get points. I don't know if he's gonna get 50, 
I, I know that I've had arguments about another stat that he had last season that I don't think will be replicated because a lot of people were sitting here going, he was a plus 30 last year. That ain't since, happening on well, this team. Since when, you know, since when was Ghost ever that good? And, I, and here's, the, here's the thing I shot back. Ghost's career best plus minus is a plus 10. Yep. Not great, obviously, right. especially when you're as offensive as he, well, you know, you get the point though, right? Sure. So D'Angelo's career high now is plus 30, but that was from the year in Carolina when you play with Jacob Slade. With a wagon. And behind you is Brett Pesci and Brady Shea and Ian Cole. And And oh, by the way, Freddie Anderson and Nett for a large chunk of the year. Like, right. Like, I don't even go to that because for all I care, you could like, I'm I'm trying to pick somebody. You you could have, you know, you could have Pavel Francouz in net like Colorado did. And if you got a wagon of defensemen in front of you, you can get some good support. That team has good, like, I wouldn't say good. Good is too and underrated. Plus work. minus yeah. is a team stat. They had a good offense. So it is. What yeah. I'm trying to say, like what I was trying to get is that. So before that, his career best plus minus was plus 12. Right. So it's not that much better than what ghost ever gave. Now, the no. one thing I will give D'Angelo over ghost is that ghost has like his, his best offensive seasons are either too staggered or, or whatever. Like you can, we can have this argument again next year. If Goss despair goes out, plays for Arizona again, and has another 50-point season. Right. Now he's done it two years in a row, and you kind of can take away the staggered, well, he was really good one year, then he wasn't, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, D'Angelo has never approached Gossespierre's best career best in points. Right. He's never come close to the 65 that Gossespierre had in year three of his career. Man, that year was, that year was great. Oh, yeah. But, um, but D'Angelo has probably done it with more consistency when you think about just again, just from a production standpoint. But I just like I'm sitting here going, first of all, you have to expect that he's not going to be that much of a problem defensively with Provorov, which you've got to first of all, you've got to make up your mind. I mean, like maybe the only way that that works is if you have him be the puck mover and you somehow convince Provorov, don't be the mobile guy. Right. Stay back and play defense as best you can. But. And qu- quite frankly, I think Ivan Provorov's good enough to do that and do it well. Right. But we'll see. I mean, like, like Ivan My, Provorov's never, unfortunately, Ivan Provorov's never going to be Victor Hedman, you know? Like, you no. got it, and you've got to level with that at some point, right? right. But so either, like, D'Angelo's going to be able to, like, could, could theoretically do that, but you know he's going to give up some. And then I again and again, like, you can get any power play guy you want in here. Like, Goss was labeled as that too. If power play stinks, the power play stinks. True. You know? Like, and it's not going to live and die by your point, man, most of the time. Well, actually, worse than that is, you know, how many times when Gossesare was here did you know on the power play, like, that's where they're trying to get it to, so it was easy to stack the middle with shot blockers? Right. Now, if you change that, and, and there's there's various ways to change that narrative with your power play. First, first of all, by the way, one of the things we can't even talk about with the power play is that they don't have a coach yet. Right. There is still a vacancy for the, an assistant coach who's going to run that whole thing and go from there. And hey, by the way, I'd like to officially take this opportunity to throw my name in that ring. Um, <laughs> you can tweet us at YWT Podcast. Um, Bob, Bill, I, I, you didn't listen to the rest of this podcast, right? No, just listen to this part and hire me. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but, well, you know who they – like realistically, a guy they could go back go, and I say go back to because it was one of the most successful power play units they ever had. You know, when Joe Mullen was coaching that power play, and Joe Mullen's coaching in a three-on-three league right now. You we know? can get that. Like, 
Why not? You know, Does he want to get back on an NHL bench? I don't see why anybody wouldn't. Right. That's what know, I'm saying. But, but that's but that's, he, conversa- that's conversation for another day. Here's but, here's probably my biggest issue. Kind of trying to put a little bit of a bow on the defenseman we traded for here. <laughs> oh, you're going to do that. Okay. Oh, I plan on calling him by his jersey number and his jersey number exclusively once we know what that's going to be. Just for the record, I'm, I don't plan on saying this name quite as often as... We, we, no, we do know it, by the way. 77. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, that's just a stupid number. Whatever. He's won anyway, his whole career, though. It doesn't make it any less stupid. Okay, whatever. Um, my problem here is the asset management, right? We we have compared him oh, to Shane Gostaspear. Okay. We traded a second and a seventh for Shane Gostaspear, and then a second, a third, and a fourth to get this guy who was about to sign for okay, can I, can more I, than Shane Gostaspear. Can I pop you for a second with Yeah. This? Because you're not wrong. That's are you going to read the whole list, including Ristolainen and Hag oh, and all that yeah, nonsense? Yeah. Oh, give oh. it to me. I love this. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Chuck, when you get fired, this is what we're going to put on your exit letter. Okay, well, go ahead and read it. You traded, it the, tra- the first trade that was made was Goss's Bear with the two picks, which was a second and a seventh. The seventh was from this, I think this year, right? It was a 22 seventh and a 22 yeah. second. So all that was, you did all of that just to get the To money dump the off salary. The and actually, in theory, not a bad trade. You don't like giving up the picks. But not, not a bad trade when you're sitting here trying to say, we don't know what else to do with this guy. And I agreed with that kind of. I'm like, sure. I don't know where else to put Goss's bear at this point if you don't think he can be sheltered in a third pairing role. If you don't even feel that, then he shouldn't be on your team anymore. Move him. Right. Literally the next day, or I think it was about the next day. It was they, less than 24 hours later, for they sure. take the cap money they just got. Trade it to basically trade for a player who takes up all of it. I will not ever forget where I was when I heard the the that we were making the, that they were making this trade. Well, and I, I have a point to I have a point to this yep. too for a second because we'll get to this. So you trade that though for in the Ristolainen deal. Ristolainen comes over to the Flyers. Also in the deal, like th- where for the player that absorbs all the cap space he just freed up, is Robert Haig, and. The twenty the twenty twenty one first round pick that you were supposed to make that night at thirteenth overall gone, and uh, there was a third in there too. I believe that was same was that same year also. I think it was twenty twenty one also. Correct. Uh, I believe so. Okay. Now you've just moved three more picks, and we detailed what the three are: the twenty twenty two fourth, twenty twenty three third, which. In fairness, smart asset management with the thirds to say the lowest of the three we have. Right. That's smart. Sure. And a 2024 second, which again, here's the other thing about the 2024 second, by the way. It's, yes, it's a second. It could very well be a high second. But you also acquired a 2024 first for Claude Drew that you still have right now. That's fair. You do still have it. That's fair to to say. Um but nonetheless, that's seven draft picks. And okay, fine. Let's call it six to do the net here because right. you got a seventh back this year for him too. Woohoo. Like yeah, I know. So six draft picks and two defensemen, which in theory, over the course of three trades, by the way, which I literally called it on the air on Friday when the deal was made. I said, that's an awful lot of movement and activity to do a whole lot of nothing to your roster or to your defensive core. Spinning your because wheels. Because to me, you acquired a player in D'Angelo now who's too similar to the guy you started this whole cycle with. You traded Gostaspare and got D'Angelo later on. It's 
not that different. I'm not nope. sure. D'Angelo is better than Gossis Perez. Right. Yes. As sure. a hockey player, D'Angelo is better. But they're too similar in role. They're too similar in style. You had the guy. Yep. And you roundaboutly, a year later, traded for the same guy. And then in theory, again, Rasmus Ristolainen is a better, probably a better, you know, a better defenseman than Robert Haig. Sure. But what's their calling card? They're right. physical. Both of them. So you didn't change much other than saying, hey, look, we've got bigger names, I guess. And we're paying them way we're more. we're paying them more. Right. Like, that's about it. But that, that, to me, sounds like a symptom of, you better win. Hey, Chuck, you better start winning. Hey, Chuck, hey Chuck where are those wins coming? Sure, because if he doesn't win, he's getting fired. Yep. And one of the things that... Uh, they Steve Dangle will say on the podcast, and I think he said he heard it from somebody. It might have been Jeff Merrick. Okay. I didn't, listen, a, I didn't listen to this. It, so it just in general. It's just something they've said before. Okay. It wasn't on this specific podcast. Okay. I, was gonna say, I haven't listened to anything since they... When, you're, since an NH, when you're an NHL GM and you call for help getting out of a cap situation or you know moving a player you need moved or something right. like that, when you call for help, opposing GMs don't throw you life vests. They throw you anchors. Right. And Chuck Shore keeps catching anchors just as best he can. Just Rasmus Ristolainen right to the chest. Okay, so there is one counter to Ristolainen. Okay, no, there is. And I'll tell you you the difference, okay? Because this offseason right now, like, what's what's the next step from here? The next step is when free agency gets going. We know the big name that's linked to the Flyers, right? Right. By all accounts, if they were to go out and sign Johnny Gaudreau, r- again, right or wrong on the aggressive nature of it and whether or not it's sure. going to work, is it is it not a good PR move to go acquire a local kid like Gaudreau who's got a squeaky clean track record? Right. Johnny Hockey is the most wholesome man right. in the NHL. Well, right. But who's got a squeaky clean track record who... You know who's also an all-star level player, superstar level player, who you would throw in the middle of your lineup when you know how bad attendance was down. Isn't Fair. that a good PR move? Yeah. And a good business decision to say, hey, listen, we can at least sell tickets by getting this guy. Isn't the Tony D'Angelo move at least equally as poor from it's a PR only, perspective? Well, yes, it is, but this is where I'm going with this. When they when they traded Goss Bear last offseason and then acquired Ristolainen, it wasn't the first thing they did. The first move they made, not knowing what was to come, was Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers. That's fair. And everybody was on board with that trade because it was the exact type of defenseman you wanted next to Provorov. So even though you weren't thrilled with Ristolainen, like, do you almost remember how 24 hours, within 24 hours after Ristolainen was acquired, the atkinson Voracek trade happened and everybody kind of was back on board like, Oh hey, yeah. wait, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, we were willing. We we thought at the time that Chuck was doing okay. He was two for four. Well, two for three. I would. Well, two, yeah. Well, With the Gossip Spare move in there too. Yeah, but see, okay, but here's the thing. I kind of came around to the Gossip Spare and Ristolainen and trade off with the cap because they freed up three more million dollars with. That's valid. That's fair. All of a sudden, I went. Okay, now I see what you tried to do because. Whether you know Ristolainen's not the centerpiece of the blue line for the acquisitions, he's go, you're trying to say bump him down to the two, and you know to the second pairing and see if that makes a difference because Ellis will be up there because didn't it in the beginning look like it made a difference? Right, right. 
And then you also brought in Atkinson, and you said, okay, listen, here's a guy who can shoot, who's a shoot first guy, scores more often than Voracek does, and hey, by the way, he's three million dollars cheaper. If he and, never plays, those four games of Ryan Ellis are going to go down as the biggest what if, and one of the biggest what ifs in oh, Philadelphia okay. Flyers history. Yeah, absolutely, but like to me, at least Ellis set the tone. Like that's the first one, and you're going, okay, I see the merit behind this. This is a good trade, and then you continue to work your way through the rest of them, and it's like. Yeah, you didn't love giving up picks. Like, I don't think people overly ridiculed the Gosses Bear trade in the moment because it was, yeah, we freed up. Like, I don't love giving up those picks, but you freed up the cap space, which means something's coming. You're set it. You're positioning yourself for something. When it when Ristolainen was the next move, it was like that's what you positioned yourself for. Are you nuts? And uh, then, yeah. and then you followed it up with, hey, wait a minute though, Atkinson for Voracek, and it's like, oh, wait a second, back on board. <laughs> that's another thing that kind of positively spins this thing a little bit. And you all of a sudden were like, there's a, like, yeah, you, you almost kind of felt like there was a plan in place. Right. And, and Cam Atkinson did remain a bright spot to be fair. Like that okay. trade still looks perfectly fine. Say what you want about Jake Voracek. Say what you want about Cam Atkinson. That trade is at bare minimum a solid trade. Especially when you consider what they did at the end of the year with Atkinson, which is when it got to the point of no return, just get him out and don't play him anymore. I agree. And bring him back next year hoping that he stays healthy too. Like, I, I, I don't have doubts about him either. Like, Hayes, Couturier, Atkinson, I know they were hurt at the end of the year. I'm not really worried about it. I'm worried about Farabee because of it just happened. It's recent. It could be a longer timetable than three to four months, like they're saying. We have to worry about it. The Ellis thing, I don't even know if I care anymore. Like, it's not, like to an extent where I'm saying, like, until you have something constructive to say about his status, don't, don't say know, anything. Right, like, there's yeah. no, there's no news. He's just not going to play. Nope. Like, that's the way it seems. And I think that's kind of where they're at with him at this point. Well, if, and if nothing else, like I said, like I said a couple minutes ago. Getting D'Angelo is all about like, hey, Ellis isn't going to be ready to play. All right, and I would have, I would have preferred that you observed the free agency landscape and did the best you could, if that was the case, to find somebody who, at best, could replicate the top pairing thing. Like, and I'm not saying like you would have to overpay for that probably, but like, I don't know. Like, it's going to be weird to me if D'Angelo is not the top pairing guy now. Because you're sure as hell paying him like it, if that's the case. Like to me, if like it's gonna look all sorts of wrong if D'Angelo does end up on the third pairing to be sheltered, and they actually like promote York or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I have a feeling you're we're gonna try Provorov Sandheim again, and you're just I, gonna have D'Angelo rest on. You wanna know what? I, you wanna know what I think is gonna happen at least at the beginning? The schedule came out this week too, which is kind of yeah. like a footnote on the whole damn thing. This at this point, right? Yeah. Like we we don't need to go into details, but but I do know that there is a like I believe their last preseason game is October fourth, and their first regular season game is October thirteenth. So you've got a lot of time in between the first game. You have a lot of time as the preseason schedule rolls on because they're playing preseason games on like September twenty fourth, right? And they don't play like so. You've got a long. It's a nice extended preseason. So well, which by the way is a great. That's great news for Tortorella because. There's nothing better than having three, four weeks to, to get your boys in shape. Real home, your point, right? Yep. Um, well, and, and Torts has always been a cardio-heavy coach, so oh, sure. a little extra time is going to be fantastic I, for him. I fully expect multiple top pairing combinations during this time. I agree. We'll see. Like, I don't doubt that you may see 
Provorov, Sanheim, you'll probably see. And look, preseason is preseason, so don't take it as gospel. But sure. You'll probably see, you'll probably see Provorov. You'll definitely see Provorov, D'Angelo. There's no way you won't. I feel like that's what the given is right now. But you'll probably even see Provorov, Ristolainen. Probably. Maybe you'll see Provorov, York. And maybe you'll. Oh, that Pro- sounds fun. Maybe you'll see Provorov insert name here because somebody might not be here yet. Like fair enough. Yeah, like I said, I, I've mentioned a couple times on this show. I certainly don't think Chuck Fletcher's done. He's not done, but like uh, this is what I'm wondering. Like I don't think defensively, I think you can't do anything other than add a really low, low cost, low risk piece. Like you've got to add somebody who's clear cut bottom six material, or like bottom pairing material, and deal with the fact that it's a cheap contract. That's fair. Like, again, you're making the Keith Yandel signing, but not for a lot. Like, it's not Yandel, I would say. But And just, by the way, I do want to throw a name out there. Uh, just as a, somebody that they could have gotten instead of Tony D'Angelo, for example, if you want somebody who can contribute offensively, who can serve kind of a similar role. I, I know where you're going. Go where on. do you think I'm going? I'm just curious. Are you going to say John Klingberg? I was going to say John Klingberg. And I feel like that's the guy that... You probably could have given him a fairly similar deal. Two by five is probably about where you know he's going to end up. And again, so that is a reported number for D'Angelo. But there's, I think, go ahead. Because there's one problem with that, and D'Angelo is still kind of betting on himself here. That's hence probably two years. Sure. Um, Klingberg doesn't really have to bet on himself. Klingberg is the type of player, very much like a lot of these other. Yeah, he's signing a real deal at this point. But the, the the name of the game and and a good way to exp- to to further elaborate on this is the Chris Letang extension. Terms the name of the game. Right. These guys want job security. Fair enough. And that's which is how which is how you get thirty five year old Chris Letang saying, "Give me six years and let me play to forty one." Right. Like whether or not it looks like. Which, like by the way, he'll be retired for the last three of those years. But whatever. Maybe he will. But. Well, but but see, at the same time, like there is there is a cap increase coming in a couple years. Yep. Like this this off season is about paying off the escrow from the pandemic years. The next step is they get a big cap increase because of the money from the TV deals and all that stuff. And all the rumors. And, and the rumors end. is that's going to start two to three years from now. I, I think it's yeah. after. It, I think it's not this off. Like it's next off season. Like after. I next think it's going to be. Like yeah, it's after next offseason is what I'm saying. So like not the 2022 offseason, off not right. the 2023 offseason, but the 2024 offseason is where it's going to start to kick in. Right. Because of the fact that at that point in time, you're going to like you get one more year of doing this. And then but even then, like, I think that the contract, because there's going to be a boost coming in a couple of years, Latang for six at the number that he got, which was makes a lot of sense. Point one. That cap number goes up. His cap percentage goes down and his minutes and can decline right. in kind. And you can't deny that right now he's playing at a top pairing level. Sure. So, do you on one leg half the time, but still good for him. Yeah, but if he's playing like that on one leg, imagine fully healthy. I know. That's, that's kind of why you defend it a little bit. Like, it, if if you can make the argument he shouldn't play at all, then you know for health purposes, then and, and don't know the difference. You know what I mean? Oh, he'll get LTIR retired by the end of that contract maybe sure. but either way um, all right i'm done talking about this scumbag can we talk about the draft yeah we can talk about the draft i right. i've said i've said my piece too about how i'm going to cover him and about how i don't think he's a fit and all that stuff like and listen i just want to i just want to officially throw it out there tony you're welcome on the show buddy i'd love to i'd love to have a conversation with you i really would uh so the sickest name in the draft 
<laughs> was not not necessarily this guy, but he was up there uh, with the fifth overall it pick. Wasn't, in the, um, I know which one was probably sicker than this. I, I hope you think the same thing because there was one I heard yeah. that was really awesome. Listen, when you got a kid named Jagger, that's the best name in the draft. There anyway, was, but wasn't, wasn't there a kid? He went to Arizona, Maverick Lamoureux. That's a pretty that good one, one too. That was a pretty sick name. But the Philadelphia Flyers at number five select Cutter Gauthier. And now, Which, I, before we talk way, about, by the way, Cutter's his given name. It's a good one. I know. Now, it's just I, like you think it's a nickname. It's his given birth name. Before we talk about the pick, I do briefly want to talk about kind of how the top five shook out. Yeah, let's do it for sure. Yeah, just real quick. We don't have to go super deep into it. But Shane Wright is uh, a kid who has been around for a long time. Uh, Three years ago, he was actually granted exceptional status to play in the OHL a year early, uh, which is something that only the top tier names have been given. I believe the most recent was John Tavares or one of the more recent names. Um, Was it? He might not be the most recent. McDavid wasn't? Oh, you're right. You're right. McDavid did get exceptional. You're right. You're right. I forgot he played in the OHL. Even was like the last one and all, and and now like Wright was one and Connor Bedard's one, and like right, they're, you've had two of them in back to back years. After I think McDavid might have been the first since Tavares. Maybe you're right. So and, he he got exceptional status. He went to the OHL early. He was expected to be you know kind of projecting along this path with all these other players who received exceptional status. Right. And COVID kind of seriously derailed his development. And I'm sure, as you, the OHL lost. They literally didn't play this past season. He lost and, a lot of time. And we saw a lot of OHL guys slip just out of pure lack of exposure to scouts. And when you don't see a kid play for a year, it's really hard to spend a top I mean, five well, pick on him. Well, and here's the thing, and, I, and this kind of harps on parts of the top five as well. Why do you think all the U.S. National Development Team program kids are so popular? Because they all got to play 60 games or whatever right. it was. Yep. Why? And so instead, the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal, by the way, kind of neat that they had the first pick in Montreal. Uh, so like you're right. There's nothing you're, better than um, like Marty St. Louis kind of kicked that off nicely. It was really and, cool. And, and by the way. I think it's really awesome the way that, that like they've embraced him. Like he has no connection to that team as a player during his playing career, Hall of Fame playing career, and yet they love him. If his name was pronounced St. Louis, they wouldn't love him quite as well, much. I know, and I get it. And he and he goes up there, and he he was. If one his of the first only... name was pronounced Martin, they wouldn't love him quite as much. Okay, listen, okay? And listen okay, I, I'm not trying to deny the fact that in the first 15 minutes of the draft coverage, that he yeah he might have been one of the only people who got up there and actually spoke flawless French. <laughs> but man, it was sure funny watching some GMs stumble through. <laughs> Parlez-vous, Montreal. <laughs> um. But yes, either hello, way, so hello, hello, bonjour Montreal. Right. Merci beaucoup. So Uri, it was it was better than most of them. So Uri Slavkovsky goes number one. Yeah. Um, a classic, um, a classic like recency pick kind of. Yep. A guy who got to play a whole bunch of games against men this year. And I don't care that the Olympics is kind of like it wasn't the best of the best as it could have been. I don't care. Like the Olympics put that kid on the map big time. Oh, absolutely. And, and and I'm not trying to like he was all I think he was always top five projected anyway, but like he well, got one, number number one talk after the Olympics. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting listening to the latest 32 Thoughts podcast was the fact that they mentioned there wasn't that normal rush of guys this year who made a name at World Juniors. Sure. Who had a great eight games in December and launched themselves up 30 draft spots, right. which we see every year. 
Every year we see guys break out at World Juniors, come back, get traded to a contender, make the Memorial Cup, may end up in the first round out of nowhere. It always it's happens. It's really funny you're saying that because is the exception to the rule quite possibly the name that we have on the screen right now? Well, and I think it well, yeah. He, his World Juniors stuff helped. Well, that's fair. But I, I do think Yuri Slavkovsky kind of got that from the Olympics, right? He didn't get sure. the World Juniors bump, but he got the Olympic bump, well, and the sure, lack because, of the World Juniors bump really helped him out. Well, sure, because of the fact that when you're – look, it's one thing if you're in World Juniors and you get put on the map because you were the best player on your World Junior team and you're lighting it up, and that's great because you're, you're doing it against kids. Sure, and there's a big right? spotlight on World Juniors. Yeah, like, it matters. The biggest thing that happened to Slovakia in the Olympics was they beat the U.S. in the yep. quarter. And who's front and center for that team? Your eyes, Slavkovsky. Right. So, like, that well, kind of puts you on the map. Well, and a performance like that also helped his Slovakian teammate get drafted se- second overall. Simon Nemec. Nemec Simon Nemec. Yes. Who will be playing for the New Jersey Devils. I Topped... Think- When's the last time the top two picks in a draft were Slovakian? I don't think it ever happened because it was like what a day for Slovakia hockey. Right. And Holy smokes! It was that. Uh, which uh, look, it was cool to see. Don't get me wrong. Like every sure. how many years do we get like, oh yeah, it's the Canadian one two, or it's a Canadian U.S. or maybe it's two U.S. kids. But like we don't. And, and or or guess what? Sometimes, yeah, you know what? It can be one of those other powerhouse countries. Like it could be Sweden. Like like okay, let's take Sweden for example too, where it's like you know what the Sedin twins go two three. Like, it happens. Like, sometimes you get two kids who are from one of those European countries, so, and they're among the best, but it doesn't really happen with Slovakia. On an average, for example, on an average year, how many of the top 10 draft picks would you expect to be Canadian or American? Probably six or seven. I'm, I'm combining the two? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say seven. How many do you think there were this year? Well, obviously not the first two. Um, I know that David Juracek went six, and he's Czech. So that's another one who wasn't. So I'm, I'm just I'm piecing through because I looked up enough yeah. of these names. I'm trying to piece my way through here. Um, obviously, the Flyers picked an American kid. Shane Wright's Canadian. Logan Cooley's American. So I'm through six, and I've got four American Canadians so far, right? Who did three. you say? I was going to say it's three. 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 You have three. Logan Cooley, who's an American, Shane Wright, who's a Canadian, and Cutter Gauthier, who's an um, American. Okay, so Buffalo at nine picked Savoy. He's Canadian. That's four. Uh, I believe the defenseman that Chicago took was also was North American. You think Pavel Mintyakov was American, huh? Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking about the other guy then. It wasn't Chicago. It was. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Chicago. Um, Chicago drafted Kevin Korczynski at, at seven. Yes, I'm sorry. I thought, yeah, I thought you said 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's North American? He is Canadian, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Um well, I spoiled it then. Uh, the the Ducks took Minchikov at ten. No, no, no. I get that. So, all right. So I'm already up to five. Let's. let's That's just... it. That's the end. Uh, yeah, Marco Casper at eight was Austrian, and then Pavel Minchikov at ten is Russian. By the way, Marco Casper at eight might be a really good pick down the line. Like it's it's gonna need, you're gonna need some time, but. And you know who made that pick? The at Detroit eight. Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings. You know, you Steve know who, Eiserman, don't miss. No, you know, but you know who made a great pick down the line because for somebody who could have gone top ten and didn't. Okay. Asheville. Joachim Kemmel. Outstanding pick where they got him. Yep. Outstanding pick. Uh, by the way, another one of those uh, top names in the draft went fourteen to the Winnipeg Jets. Rutger McGroarty. 
Oh yeah, I saw some people some people tweeting as this went on because and I'll, I'll look, I'll fully admit that's a name right there. I'll fully admit after the fifth pick, I was kind of a little bit tuned out of the draft. Like me too. I, well, no, I got here's the thing. I got to admit, the picks were kind of flying in this year. Like, yeah, three minute timers were uh, pretty encouraging. It, it was still a long draft by the end of it. Like it was eleven o'clock at night and it was still was finishing up. It was four year. hours. Yeah, but you know what did happen the next the next day went ridiculously fast. Like they were just whipping. It. I thought I had the Flyers didn't pick again until 69th overall. Nice with the uh, uh, in the third round, right? Now you figure if you're go- if you don't have a pick until the third round, and I get it's an early third rounder, but you figure you've got an hour for the second round, right? Yeah, no, no. This was like 35 minutes. Here we are, like boom. And they were done that draft that started. It resumed at 11 a.m. I want to say they were done by like 2:30. And then one more thing I did want to mention from the uh, the first kind of the top five. I know we were running through that real quick. Right. Is uh, so basically, Yuri Slavkovsky goes one. Simon Nemich goes two. Logan Cooley goes three. Now you'll notice I haven't mentioned the name Shane Wright, and he ends up slipping to four. He ends two, up slipping to the Seattle Kraken. Two out of those three names I had in the top three anyway, so I wasn't surprised. And you know what the crazy part is? Before. The Seattle Kraken pick pick Shane Wright. Gary Bettman steps up to the podium and says, I have two trades to announce. I know, two trades. And the crowd starts booing him. Right, until he says, And he says, wait, wait, you're going to like this. Yeah, both of them involve the Canadians. They involve Montreal. And for a second, I thought, these Kent Hughes, you crazy bastard. I swear, I thought he was trading for number four. I don't know. I don't know how he was doing it. I they ended up moving Alexander Romanov, a first round pick, a couple other picks. They ended up making some insane moves and acquiring Kirby Doc from the Chicago Blackhawks. By the way, that whole sequence. And I'm like, look, I don't think Kirby Doc is like. I know he's a third, freeze and third overall pick. I don't know. I don't think he's an immediate. Like, I need to see the fit on Montreal to go. Hey, like, I'm not. I'm not I I'm think not, he is stellar for that team. I, I don't doubt that that's a possibility. I want to. No, I want to see it. But like, like I, he, acquiring him was not the same as the other guy Chicago traded earlier in the Fair. day. Like in in the moment, it could be down the line. I really don't want to say. Within but. the next five years, when that team is a wagon, because that Montreal team is coming and they're sure. coming fast, hard, and heavy. Yeah, Kirby Doc is going to be an anchor yeah, on that team. Because they, because it feels like they have an identity. Because the coach that they brought in midway last year seemed to establish something. It's insane. They made the Stanley Cup Finals. They tore it all down and rebuilt in one year. I don't know if they and tore like, it all down, but I get your point. And then, and, and to an extent, they, like we dumped Shane we- Shea Weber and Carey Price is still questionable. Like we dramatically changed the course of the franchise in yeah, essentially did. one season. Right. Um, and the the we talk the rebuild the yeah. the air quotes rebuild yeah. is already like sixty percent done. <laughs> it's insane. Um, I do want to talk about another team that made a trade that day, but but before I do, I do want to touch on what you're talking about with yeah. the doc doc trade and all that because that's masterful asset management to work that Phenomenal. whole thing around to go from hey listen yeah first of all they picked first overall already yep then to find a way to work out a deal to trade Romanov to get you know, with to the Islanders to get what they need to trade with Chicago to get Kirby Doc like that's like I believe I saw it again 
don't hold me to this. I forget which person put it out there, but someone put like someone reported it was like they literally gave Kent Hughes an assignment. Chicago gave Kent Hughes an assignment and said, "Go get it first. Right, if you want to get Kirby Doc, you've got to go get this first. And he went out and got it. Like he understood the assignment. Yeah, that was impressive. But I do want to talk about another team that made a trade on draft day, and it it like is this well, Toronto? Well, no, it's not. Oh, okay. It's 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 earlier. It was earlier in draft day than the draft itself. You now now you know where I'm going. But but before we do, actually, can we can we talk about this kid first? Because yeah, you got, absolutely. You, you got past Shane Wright, so um, let's get to Cutter Gauthier. Yeah, Cutter Gauthier, uh drafted fifth overall out of the U.S. National Development Team program. Uh, he is a center slash left winger. Um, there's talk about him playing center at the NHL level. It's going to depend on how he adjusts to the game and kind of how he matures into being an NHL player. You want me to? Do you want me to kind of fill in what I know? Because yeah, I know absolutely. It, I know a lot more about this subject right now. Um, so here, first things first. This is obviously not a guy who immediately comes and helps your team. Right. There's development that's going to be involved here. He's a as as is the case with these with with most American prospects that are drafted that come out of this U.S. National Development Program. Um, there's a college lined up. Like they have, they're committed to a college. Right. He's committed to, of all places, one that we've talked about more than enough times on this show already. He's committed to Boston College. Now, the good news about that, though, is Boston College is a pretty good program. Yeah. So if you want to get kind of run through the gauntlet of NHL preparation, you can do a lot worse than going to New England, right? And I did want to mention, by the way, his father, Sean Gauthier, was a goalie in the NHL. He played one game. And it was a shutout. Really? Yep. I didn't really look up his dad's numbers. One he played do, one game for the San Jose Sharks back, in 98-99. Okay, the back, by the way, the backstory of his father really is that, um, or the, the most important detail of that backstory is that at one point in time, he was playing for the Reading Royals, who are now the Flyers ECHL affiliate. And that is where Cutter Gauthier's parents ultimately met. Oh, that's his, mean. I did not mother, know that. His mother is from that area, so he already has local ties. And he even said it's going to be cool that they can like come and, and see him. And his last—that was his last season in North America. And he okay. played twenty-three games, had a two-twenty-six goals against average, and a nine-thirteen save, which for the ECHL is quite solid. Yes, it is. You, you know what? What he did with his playing career is he made a very solid living because he played for a while and was well traveled and. None, played a couple years in Europe. Uh, Cutter Gauthier was actually born in Sweden. Right. He, uh, he does have American citizenship. American citizenship will would play for America internationally, as we've seen with him being in the development team program, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he was actually born while his father was playing for Skellefteå. I'm not saying that correctly okay. in hockey Allsvenskan out in Sweden. Okay. Just worth noting. Let's yeah. get back to the kid. Um, Here's the, so can I tell you what I love about the pick? Is it the fact that he's 6'2", that That doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Um, it's that there's time with him. Yep. I love the fact that he's going to go to college immediately. I, like, and I, that's not, it's not a, knock on, like, not a knock to say I don't want to have to think about him for the year, but I'm glad I don't have to really think about him for the year. Right. Like, if the game plan is... College him, prospects disappear. <laughs> Like no, you watch there, guys in junior, you hear stuff about guys in junior. When guys go to the NCAA, they just fall off the map, and then they come out, and sometimes they're Adam Fox. <laughs> um. So let, let's let's put it this way, okay? Because uh, here's something about him that I find really not really interesting, but like it's it's a detail that's important to this. Um. 
like I said, there's time with him and all that type of stuff. But when you commit, like when you commit to play college, like for whatever reason, like you said, they disappear for a while. But they also tend to come into the league and be the most ready for the league. Like, yes. like, like even down to a guy like Noah Cates last season. How good did he look down the stretch that you're like, you know, like Noah Cates is not at. And this is kind of an, again under the radar kind of story for the week, but the Flyers are having development camp starting on Monday, and it'll run through the week. Noah Cates isn't part of that group. Okay. M York is, and then you know Bobby Brink typically would be, and Bobby Brink. There's a little. I'll I'll just mention it here, and we'll just kind of. It's very, there's little known about it right now, but there's reportedly he suffered an offseason hip injury, and it could be significant. Looks like he's going to miss some time. It looks like he's going to miss some time, but we're we're waiting for more information. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's something we get into next week. Yeah, we'll um, definitely have some updates on next week's show. Probably an update on him. Um, definitely a recap of free agency, by the way. So make go, sure you come back next week. But to go off of other guys like that, Ronnie Adder's going to be in development camp. Like these are guys who, but you like we've seen them. They've played NHL games. Noah Cates isn't. Noah Cates is training at home. He's not right. hurt. There's nothing wrong. He's just training at home in Minnesota. Okay. What does that tell you? That tells you that after his little audition last year, playing at the NHL level, that it seems like he's coming to camp. Where the expectation is, you're planning, in. planning to make a spot. Right, you're in. Like it feels that way anyway, which is the right way to approach it. But these kids come out of college, so I hope that. First of all, what I hope with him is that they do stick to the game plan, which is to play him at center. One of the things I heard, and I, I'll give credit. I remember where I heard this one, so I'll give credit on this one. Anthony Sanfilippo said this on Snow the Goalie recently, that Cutter Gautier, he was told anyway, would have potentially gone as high as like let's say top three if they would have played him in world juniors at center and not on the wing wow he played on the wing he had look did he have success absolutely it's and sometimes that's the problem with playing for a team as deep as the uh, the u.s team like 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 the funny part was is that he gets drafted he was you know he played with logan cooley he played with all these like all these other guys they're going all these every one of them it's the same thing as like the 2010 canadian team had like nine centers on it or something ridiculous and it's just right. one of those things that happens at the international level is any center can just go play wing but you do lose a little bit of you know it's not your natural position well but, yeah exactly but regardless the kid is like i said he's big six two two oh one he's still you know 18 years old could fill out a little bit more might grow an inch i i was growing until i was 21 or 22 uh, 65 points in 54 games last year. And yeah. we're talking about the U.S. national development team. You know, you're not exactly playing the highest level of competition. You know, you're right in 22 USHL games, which is actually reasonable competition. He had 28 points, including 19 goals, like the kids goal scorer. Right. Um, he's got he's got a lot of and, and and the thing that people think is most NHL ready with him, it's you know does he play a physical game? He can. He's got a he's very dedicated to the two way thing. He sounds like a he sounds like the type of kid that John Tortorella would love because he talked all about defensive play first, but yet he also possesses a shot that people think is going to translate. Okay. So, and that I, is I don't want to just jump and tell you he's the next forty goal scorer that the team's gonna have. I also don't want to tell you that he's not going to pan out to be something somebody who can score a few goals. Right. Like, and when you read when you read draft breakdown coverage, there was kind of that top three or four. You knew uh, it was your um, Slavkovsky, right, uh, Cooley, and then we knew that 
the the Devils were really looking at defensemen. So we knew right. a guy like Nemich was probably going to go fairly high. And I really toyed with, like, when I did targets and fully admitted this on 97.3 leading up to the draft, the concept was Slavkovsky, Wright, Cooley. I had actually said, because the one guy who was getting talked about ultimately the way that things went with Shane Wright was Cooley. Right. And I even said if Cooley somehow gets to five, I'd be sprinting up to the, you know, to him. Oh, yeah. But... But like I but, said, I, I think those were the top three. And then oh yeah. the the so whole was, thing about the Devils wanting a defenseman kind of filled sure. that spot as well. So I was well, I was I was toying back and forth because when I did targets, Gautier was probably the top forward I had on there, but I went back and forth between the two defensemen. Okay. And I like there is there is one element to me that um you know there is one element to me that would have just built this thing from the back end out and gone with Juracek there because okay. I would have liked that. I'm not saying I'm disappointed with this. Sure. Especially especially if he does translate to a center position because right. it, it is an element that's important at both ends of the ice. So well, I'm not saying I'm devastated by it. And like I said, there's a difference between you know, there's a difference between a guy like Gautier that you know is gonna go into the college program, need some time. And what happens if Wright makes it to five? Like, well, this- well, that's 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 what I was saying. Like once that top tier comes off the board, those couple players, and then again, Devils taking that defenseman, the Flyers kind of had the next bite at the apple from that next batch of players, and it was there's gradient to it, but it gets starts to get kind of flat from there. Like those top three really stood out. And if any of them had gotten to five, if in an alternate universe where Montreal takes right first, if Slavkovsky right. slipped to five, you got to take them. Right. Um, if any of those guys are there at five, you have to take them. But right. with none of them being there, you really did kind of get the first bite at it, the apple on everyone else. It was, by the way, it was really funny to watch as Wright got to four right before. No, it was really funny to watch the people who were trying to like who were countering each other. That was, I don't know if the Flyers are really sold on him either. So he could keep slipping. No, the Flyers would love. They would have like, taken him. I think. Let's they, they would have taken him. Here's the thing about him, though, and I again, I wouldn't have had a problem if they would have taken him. Obviously, if he goes for if if he goes from projected one or two to five, do you I, make him? Kinda, do you make him wear the number nineteen? Or <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but not not Shane Wright. Shane Wright's carved out his own unique number here. He's no, he really I know. Has, by the way. But if no, you, but, if a no, guy but, slips to five and you take him and he's a center, he's going to come in and you're going to push him straight to the NHL. You're you not going to send him back to juniors, and then he's going to develop this weird concussion you know thing. What number, you know what number Gautier is wearing in all the pictures, right? I mean, it should theoretically be 22, right? Just because that's the draft year? No, 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 no. Of pictures of him. Oh, no, I haven't actually seen any pictures of him. Like when playing? He's wearing yeah. 19. Is he really? Yeah. I hear you, but oh, Cutter, but, no! But um, the thing with Shane Wright to me, if Shane Wright ended up being a flyer, I don't know that you want to have a guy that you feel like. Don't get me wrong; if the guy came into camp and wins a spot and keeps it up, there's no then you don't there's no like wrong in rushing the guy for se or like whatever. Right. It's not that way, but if like, I don't know if the, the franchise needed the pressure of this guy should have gone one or two. He went five, 
but he's ready to play. You should get him in your line. Like I like the fact that they drafted a college kid, right? Because because it doesn't matter what the Flyers say. If Cutter Gauthier says I'm going to college, see ya. Yep. Whereas if it's the OHL, then like I, well, and, I know and the player probably can choose to go back to the OHL, but you get what I'm saying. Well, right. And here's and here's another thing about it. Like I know we're. I know we've all like we've been on Chuck Fletcher plenty over the course of the weeks, and he's like, one of the right things he said over the weekend when it came to Gautier was, he's going to Boston College this year. We'll deal with the rest because he yep. got asked the same question. He the Gautier said one year at Boston College, and then he thinks he'll be ready to play in like professionally. Minimum and, one year at Boston and, College. And Fletcher's answer was, he's going to Boston College this year. Then we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's fine. That right. That is Chuck's best answer. <laughs> all right. Right? Like, isn't that like that? And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's at least a good approach for this kid, as opposed to. And by the way, I think that Shane Wright in Seattle is going to be a great fit because of the fact that that's actually a franchise that should play him now. Like, you don't exactly have a whole hell of a lot. It's a draw, ticket wise. It's a draw, and he probably fits in talent wise better than most that you could get. And he gets to work under developmental genius Dave Haxtall. Well, two out of three ain't bad. All right. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about the draft, or uh, no, are we ready to move on like, here to our little free agency draft. preview? Um, I, I, because I, I don't, I don't, didn't, I don't know uh, a ton um, about some of the other guys. I do know that I saw some good reviews and good things about uh, the third round pick that the Flyers made, who a lot, I think, a lot of people thought would have gone second round, which was Devin Kaplan. Okay. Uh, I, so keep his name on the radar because I do have heard some good things about him. But um, we'll be honest, that, the, the chances of any draft pick really be on the second round making the NHL. Right. Well, and that's why I it's magic that, beans. Like I didn't like because they didn't have a second round pick this year. I didn't write a draft day two preview the way I typically do where I list some names that are still on the board. Right. I literally just took it from the angle of like they have five or they yeah, they have five picks, which they ultimately did still end up with at the end of the day. Um, they have five picks. The, the focus sounds like, and Chuck kind of alluded to that at the end of the day, on uh, day one, which was like, "Hey, it could be a day for trading." Sure. And, there, and, there, and they weren't the only ones who were making trades, by the way. Like there was a few others that no, were scattered in there. For the record, Flyers legend Peter Morazic got salary dumped to the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, that was still that was still on night one, I think. Oh, right? you're right. That was. Yeah, it's, because they actually traded a first round pick as part of that. Right, and I, I like there was a couple others too. Like I know what you're talking about. Like night one. Um, like there was Zach Cassian went to Arizona and that was part of a pick deal that like moved first rounders. It was pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, it was honestly, it was probably the most action packed well, draft of the last uh, several and, years. And here's the thing, you know why it was because Slavkovsky went number one, which may not have been like, it's a mild surprise. But it wasn't huge. Right. Nemitz went number two and all of a sudden everybody's mock strip mock drafts were ripped up. Oh yeah. And at that point in time it was okay. As soon as the devils stuck to their guns and took a defenseman there, right. things were gonna get wild. And it was everybody ripped up their draft their mock drafts and it was game on, right? Like who who knows what goes where. But Man, you know if you're what? the Devils, I wonder if they shopped that pick after Shane Wright didn't go one. Like I wonder if they I wonder. Oh, that it would be interesting, but um the last thing I'll say on not on Cutter Godier specifically, but like this this whole premise here also is one of the things I said on Friday or on Thursday leading up to was the Flyers are going to make a good pick if they, like in the sense that they'll they'll make a good pick if they pick a guy that people think was is the right like was right. right in that area of the draft. And I think they did that. Right, and I think they did that too. I agree. If, 
is he a good pick down the line once he makes it to the NHL? Could be good. Could be great. Like you, it, it's got to evolve into a great pick, though. Right. Like, I, like I think, I, and I think we've all, like, if, especially from watching the way that this team's had prospects that people thought were really good and it doesn't pan out. Prospects are, are lotto tickets. Dra- like draft picks are lotto tickets that you take a chance on a guy and hope he develops or or hope you develop him. I think now, like, I like I've given up on the idea of sitting here saying. Oh, that's a bad pick. That's a good pick. Like now on, on draft day, they should all be good picks, and you turn them into what they are. Speaking of deep draft picks, who uh, developed into something more in the 2011 NHL draft, round four, pick number 104, the Calgary Flames selected Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, here we go. So, Kevin, our next show is going to be in two weeks. Uh, no, I thought we were doing one later. In the week. Oh, you're right. We uh, we did talk about maybe doing one next week, or yeah, we'll figure well, it out. Let's, let's, I'll tell you why we we, we we're going to do that. Because by uh, our next show, yeah, is Johnny Gaudreau a Philadelphia Flyer? I don't want to definitively say yes, but I do feel like there's a really good chance of it. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that means yes. I like that's Kevin saying yes, but I just want to leave myself an out. <laughs> like. So it's, what what do you think this uh, man? Has there been any speculation on what a deal might look like in Philadelphia? Now we've heard a little bit coming out of Calgary, but okay. So here's here's I'll, I'll try to feed as much information as I've got and go along with it because I, I there's certain things and some of it's been like I had heard the same thing. Pierre LeBrun was tweeting a lot of this stuff on the Calgary side of things anyway. Um, that the Calgary Calgary had made an offer, wanted an answer by a certain point on whether or not he was going to accept, and I believe that they were talking about something that would have been, I don't I don't know if he ever said it was max term, which would be eight years if it was Calgary, but I know that the cap hit was going to be nine and a half million dollars. That's a rich deal. It is now. That's really where we left everything. Um, I know that at the time that this was being discussed. I had heard something about how – let's put it this way. I had heard – and it, this might not have ended up being completely true because I had heard that the deadline that Calgary wanted an answer was like middle of the week this past week. Okay. And it turned out like the draft – Before hit, the draft, like, right. Right, and the draft hit, and there was still talk about they like, oh, nope. He, like they, they want an answer pretty soon, but it, w- it's, it hasn't happened yet. There's no I wonder answer. if they were exploring the option to trade his negotiating rights. It was possible, and I'll get to that right. in a second. So as the draft went on, it was still there. Like they, they want to get an answer soon, but there's no answer yet, and it wasn't like a big deal. And even after the draft was over, the story was that they were optimistic that they could resign. They felt like both parties wanted to be there and all that stuff like that. So the story was that I am of the impression right now that there's a strong possibility that Johnny Gaudreau gets to market. Okay. Now – I as, think of, as of three days ago, before the draft, the possibility of somebody trading for his rights was very much on the table. Okay. I think I think we're a little bit past that point now because sure. we're like let's this way. We're finishing up recording this. We're pushing Monday morning here, or midnight on Monday into like going into Monday. You know, tw- in twelve hours from midnight going into Monday. You're 48 hours away from free agency opening yep. and people can sign wherever. I think you're kind of past the point of trade for a guy's rights. And at the very least, here's here's what I have the impression of. Because I got I got asked this question on Twitter earlier in the week about, like, 
why would like kind of kind of a combination of why would he want to sign here? Wouldn't it just be an overpay kind of thing? All that type of stuff. The bottom line here is that it's not it's not completely just the Flyers, right? Sure. Like, right. Well, I've heard that the Devils have right, but here's kicked the thing. around like, an offer. He wants to be, I think the idea is, is that now that he has the freedom to choose where he goes. He wants to come close to home. He wants to be closer to home. He's He got married last, last offseason. His wife is from the area as well, by the way. So you're either talking and like – it's no secret, like his father coaches, like all, the, like we know, like the, there's a lot known about the family, and like I said, he's got a pretty much got you know like a good reputation. Do they still stuff. own Hollydale? Oh, they might. Yeah, I guess. Oh, sorry, I, I know they know. did at one point in time. I know that. Uh, let's just wait. I'll tell you one thing. I know for a fact, his uh, Guy Gaudreau, his father, coach still coaches uh, one of the Flyers' elite teams. Okay. Like the, Year-old AAA team or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like next step before kids are getting to junior level almost. Um, but um, so it, yeah, it could be a multi multitude of possibilities here. It could be you know it could be Philly, it could be New Jersey, could really be any of the New York teams. It could even be Washington in theory. Now, granted, you can deduct teams that probably don't have the cap to do this right now that also don't want to move cap. Like like if you're the Rangers, are you moving cap because you want to add this guy now? Like Probably team, not. You know, like your team's pretty good the way that it was. Right. You're trying to find finalized little pieces, but you're not moving a ton of stuff to make open it up either. Like you're not signing no. another. You're not signing another near double digit contract or whatever it may right. be. Right. The Devils probably can make it work. The Flyers would like to try to make it work. It's no. <sighs> no it's no secret that the team that Gaudreau watched and idolized growing up was the Flyers. So and that's I, where it kind of lends to the Philly thing. I but there's do a wanna, lot. To do. I do want to draw a comparison, sure. and I'm going to call it the most recent example of a player going home. I'm going to talk about okay. John Tavares in Toronto. Not bad. I understand that. It has been made known that there was an all- – so John Tavares ended up signing a seven-year, $11 million deal in Toronto. Okay. There was an offer on the table, and we, we, we know this. San Jose offered him seven by 13. Okay. He passed on a lot of money to come well, home. Now I know they're in slightly different situations. Sure. This is there's another. Now, by the way, there's another another example that I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, not a coming home story, but a guy who went to the team he wanted to play for, and I think took less money. Didn't Artemi Panarin do that in New York? Something like that. Like, wasn't yeah. there a story that there was more money on the table somewhere else, but he went to New York because it was I want to play in New York. It, right. I believe it was New York and Florida that were both throwing themselves at Artemi sure. Panarin. Now, Man, imagine so, how different that Florida so, team would look. So think about something for a second. Is it possible that because because there's one element to this? Because you asked the, you asked the question, what could a deal look like for Gaudreau in Philly? Right. There's one possibility that says the guy the guy wants double digits, <sighs> right? Like there's one possibility, and I That's kind tough. of it is tough. And I now and on but listen, on one hand, I would not be shocked if you were looking at a seven by ten and a half here. <sighs> Wow. I know, I know, it's a lot. I'm just telling. I'm just trying to listen. This is me. This is me telling you. Brace yourselves. That okay? makes me nervous for Joel Farabee's next contract. I hear you now. But here, here's another factor. If locate, if it's really like the, if it's all location and all that stuff. Hopefully, Chuck can use that. Maybe nine and a half is enough, and all he just wants is the contract offer. Like, please offer me the contract to play in Philly, and that's it. I'm done. John, listen. Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> We'll give you listen. We'll give you seven years. What do you think about like six and a half? Come on, John. 
That's come, not happening. Come to Philly, six and a half. Come, you get to play with Kevin Hayes. Come on, and Cam Atkinson. <laughs> like, listen, we have the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee in Infinity Gauntlet, right? We have Kevin Hayes. We have Cam Atkinson. We have Patrick Brown. We just added 77. (laughs) The thumb. Yes. One more gem. Come on. Come on, Johnny. Snap your fingers. Win a cup. Come on. Well, maybe. Win a cup, maybe. Um, Well, we got seven years. It's fine. We got time. Well, I do. See, I do think that that's a possibility. Like, okay, can we talk about something really quick that ties into this? Because there's a lot, there's a lot made about the fact that Alex DeBrinket was available and then got traded to Ottawa for again similarly three draft picks. Right. One, no, granted, two of them were firsts. One down the line. One of them. Or no, I, sorry, I would. No, two of them weren't firsts. I'm sorry. One of them was. But was I would was, trade almost anything for Alex DeBrinket. It was, for, it was a first, second, and then another. What? What yeah. was it? I think it was another second down the line. I believe something like that. Yeah. Um. It was and, nothing. And, right, nothing. It, felt, it feels like it. The reason why it feels like nothing though is because of the fact that here's the way that Alex DeBrinket can control the whole scenario. He can play next season under his current contract. Get a qualifying offer the following year that would be nine one year deal walk to UFA, but it's nine million dollars for the qualifier. Yep, and then he can walk as a UFA and get his other deal, even if it's just ten. It could be ten, right? But he can go wherever the hell he wants to, and you lose the security. So, like, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you like I, I, the the thing to me about Otto, and I said this on the air on Friday or on Thursday when the trade happened. Ottawa, to me, was better equipped to make that trade even with the uncertainty because of the fact that at the end of the day, you've been picking in the top 10 for how many years in a row? Yep. And last year or two years ago, you had three first-rounders. You so just you have so in, many assets. So let's, just wait. let's just do the first-rounders for a second. Shabbat was from years ago, but yep. it still applies, right? Kachuk was from years Kachuk, ago. Well, no, not as many, though. Kachuk was 18. That's fair. So Kachuk. Was Josh um, Norris a first-round pick? Josh Norris is a little different. I'll get to him in a minute. Oh, oh, they acquired him, didn't they? Kachuk, so Kachuk was drafted. Stutzla is drafted. Jake Sanderson, who's coming, drafted. How about, you know, last year Tyler Boucher was drafted. Like, and you've got this grouping. And, he, and the last two aren't even really factors yet. They've also struck on other draft picks of their own that weren't first-rounders. Drake Batherson, Alex Formenton. Then you add in aqu- aqu- acquisitions. Josh Norris acquisition, right? Like, and they haven't, cool. and they haven't been perfect. By the way, they just bought out Colin White, who was, I believe, the tenth overall pick within the last couple of years as right, well. So, would, like, they have missed on some things. Sure, but I'd be willing to bet anything that Colin White was bought out because they were talking about this. Trip. Oh, absolutely, he was like, bought out, and it made the exact amount of money for Debrinket. Absolutely. So, but, but think, look at this team right now: Debrinket, Stutzla, Kachuk. Do you, you want know, to play against a line Nor- that has Nor- a power a power play unit? Debrinket, Kachuk, Shabbat. Hello. It yeah. doesn't matter who the other two guys are. I, I could be on that power play unit. Guess what? I can tell you somebody else who I can picture being on that power play unit, and I don't think they're done. I agree. I think that somebody you know you're talking Johnny come home. Maybe somebody else goes home too. Yeah, is it distinctly possible. I, I think, think there's so. a real. I think there's a real chance. I'm going to say a bold statement here. Okay. I think the Ottawa Senators end up with one of the following two players. 
Okay, I can't wait to hear the second one because I already know the first one. Maybe both, but probably not. Okay, so who do you think? Who do you think the first? Of the obvious. The first is Claude Giroux, and I'll just okay. say the obvious here. Yes. I think Claude Giroux goes. There's a chance Claude Giroux goes home, signs for four years at four million dollars, some sort of ridiculous hope, help. Hope the that four yep. wins, right? Yeah. Or who's the other guy? Who's the team we just talked about losing a big free agent? The team we just talked about losing a big free agent? Who may or may not come to Philadelphia. What, John? Calgary? Now, who's their other big free agent? Oh, you're not serious right now. You think that... The, yeah, but that's a little different. Why not? Do you think... That, what, you, what, what are you thinking? Do you think you're going to trade for him or they're going to offer sheet him? I, either one. You think that there that there's a possibility I think there's a chance the Ottawa Senators acquire Matthew Kachuk. Try to offer sheet Matthew Kachuk to put the two brothers together. Tell oh, me, folks, that would be interesting. Tell me that wouldn't be the most fun hockey north of the border this this fall. I'm gonna counter your point for one reason and one reason only, and I'm not trying to burst your bubble on this. I don't know if they feel like they can do it with the Brinket because you have two players in the same boat. Maybe that's fair for RFA status. You do like to be honest. This is when Claude Giroux signs the four million dollar deal. But what if you do both? I don't. They know they I, have the money. Yeah, but do they have it longer than this? That's they got the a, they got a new building coming. They're they're already building towards that new LeBreton Flats. Okay, they're gonna try to get some momentum heading in towards let's, that. Let's not, they finally have an ownership group willing to spend a little bit of money. Let's not jump off of like with the Kachuk. Yeah, you're right. But let's stick to Drew for a second because seriously, remember what the laughing point of that whole thing was, by the way? Like he got traded to Florida and the idea was, okay, if he's not going to come back here, which everybody kind of perceived it was over and done with in Philly. The thought process was, I guess he's going there to hopefully re-sign in Florida, right? And the idea was like, sure. No, and the idea was there's an outside chance he could go to Ottawa because that's home, right? But a lot of people laughed about it like, Ottawa, they don't even have a window for winning. If you're first line, do you, do you think that's the case now? Alex DeBrinket centering Claude Giroux and Brady Kachuk. No. Hello. Nope. Are you nope. split them up? No, it's De, you have to wait. You have DeBrinket centering. DeBrinket's a left winger. He can play center. Claude Claude's still taking the face off. DeBrinket no, can you, play wait, the center no, no, spot. No, no, no. You know what you do? Tim Stutzliff centering DeBrinket and Kachuk. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. And then, and guess what? You still haven't got like at that point in time is because Norris is a center, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So Norris centering Giroux and <sighs> Batherson. Batherson, right? Holy crap! What a what a top six. It seems all right, and you know, and then, and then your and then your blue line is going to eventually evolve to be. By the way, another player they acquired was Brandstrom from in the uh, Mark Stone trade. Yep. The, the problem they're going to run into is the same problem Detroit's going to run to, run into in the next couple of years. A lot of young players that you have to sign to keep. Well, not only that, not only that, but just look at the top of your division: Tampa, Toronto. Boston's probably on the way down. You're probably uh-huh. going to be able to replace that Boston team. That's fair. Florida may splinter a little bit here after some consternation down there. Who knows what they're going to do in the next couple? Of- I get what you're okay. saying. But right now, as no, it sits, right now, we had like, three of the top five teams in the NHL at the top of that no, no, division no, last year. Right now, in year one, if like if Claude Giroux signs there and you've just gotten to brink it and all that type of stuff, if Claude signs there, it has to be a longer-term deal. There's no, no way this is a one- or two-year. But take 
But take okay, so you got two like like let's be realistic and say you got two years of Debrinket, you get four years of Giroux if you do that, right? Like if you sign him to something like that, right? Right. That would make sense. If year one you've got this group now that added those two players to some pretty good developing players when it was Stutzla, Norris, you know, Kachuk, all that type of stuff, right? If Matt Murray and Anton Forsberg are a reasonable goaltending duo, you have a really good hockey team there. But what so but what if your progress this year is nothing more than you're the seven or eight, you're a wild card, but you get yep. in. I think when you that's, missed playoffs that many years in a row, that I was gonna insane. say I think that city would go absolutely bananas for a playoff team. Huge stepping stone for what could be to come, especially as you start to see the other things maybe splinter more. Because well, the thing that you're going to have in the early going right now, this is what makes these types of teams win. They're young. While they're still young and while you can't really overpay those guys, and from a, a and from a business perspective, it is great to have a good, young, exciting team in Canada's capital. And what did we talk about at the beginning? The cap is going up eventually. Yep. What if it doesn't go up immediately, but you don't need to worry about it not going up immediately because you're Claude young. only making $4 million. Right. But mainly because you're young. When those guys need contracts, this cap space opens up, you give everybody a fair deal, and maybe also the other thing you try to do, like like a lot of teams try to do, is talk to talk people into making it work. Right. I'm only going to take $6 million because when I could make 8 somewhere because that $2 million needs to go to this guy. I need to, we need to make this work. I don't want to break this group up that much. This is what happens in Tampa. Tampa looks at everybody and, and talks to these people, and it's like when they're communicating with agents, it's, listen, this is how we're going to build the best team we can build, not you get more money than the next guy. Right, and they've already started that, by the way. Brady Kachuk is about to enter the second season of his his big boy contract, basically. It's a but, total of a, se- uh, a seven-year deal at uh, oh, yeah. 8.2 per well, right. So that's the that's best. just spectacular business. Right, because then you already know what you've got. Like it's lined up. Yep. It, and he's through for five, six years. At the end of that contract, he's going to be making like six percent of the cap. It's ridiculous. It's it's brilliantly handled. So to put a bow on the whole free agency preview. Yeah, and we're going to wrap up and get out of here soon. Get out of here. This is exactly this is exactly the way it's going to be. Because here's the funny thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going into Monday here. It's only going to get louder from here. I like. Johnny Gaudreau seems like he's going to go to market. And I've already said before, I said this to you, I've said this on radio appearances, if he makes it to market, he's going to get targeted by the Flyers. Yep, absolutely. Whether he signs, I'm not guaranteeing he's going to sign there, but he's going to be on their radar and they are going to try. They will have conversations. The funny part about that, though, is I don't have a read on another free agent for for this team. I don't think they really have enough flexibility. I think they're putting all their eggs in the Johnny Gaudreau basket, well, and then we'll end up getting some bottom six Nate Thompson type guys well, to fill out the roster. And I don't know about Nate Thompson no, specifically, but I'm not I'm not stopping there yet because there's players on this roster that could be moved in another fashion. Sure, and you that is true. Have, and you still have 48 hours until this all kicks in. So. Who's to say that you don't move a guy who you don't who you didn't think was going to be moving, especially as we get closer? Like, like I'm sorry, like, like how I've been saying for a long time on this show, my gut feeling was Travis Konechny gets traded this offseason. You have. The thing is, is that I think that that had that thought process, at least for this offseason, has a shelf life. Okay. You get to the end of this week, 
I don't think you're moving him. You're you're building your team with him in mind, right? right. Well, then I'm I'm going to hit you with a couple of rapid fires here, and I just want a quick yes or no from you. Okay. At the end of the at the end of the week, by the time we record our next show, okay. will this person be on the Philadelphia Flyers in the Philadelphia Flyers organization? Okay. Johnny Gaudreau. Man, I don't want <laughs> to give a yes or no on that. <laughs> yeah, um, come on. Sixty percent. Sixty percent yes. Okay. Uh, Ivan Provorov. Oh, this one's easier. Yes. Okay. Uh, Travis Sinheim. Yes. James Van Riemsdyk. It's not that I don't have an answer. Okay, how about an answer with a caveat? Okay. If they get Johnny Gaudreau, no. Okay. Because, because you think it's at I, the expense I, like, of James Henry. Well, well, because here's the thing. It, I, I, I do believe, like, and I'm not trying to elaborate too much on this because I know you want to do rapid gotcha. fire, but if I, like, I do really believe there's that much of a chance that Gaudreau could end up in Philly. Like, okay. I think that the stars are aligning for this. That's what they've wanted to go after the whole time. You know, it feels that way anyway. And, cer- and certainly, here's the other thing. You can get a player who does the same exact thing that Gaudreau does to an extent, or what, what his calling card for a line sure. is, right? Like, but he didn't go to Gloucester Catholic. No, no, no. Hold on a minute. Alex DeBrinkett, Johnny Gaudreau. They both play the same position. They both do Score. the same thing. They both have the same type of role. They're both, why do you pick, they're why both do you built pick, the same. Why do you pick one over the other? Security. Yep. You don't want to trade the picks for a guy who you think you're going to lose in two years. You'd rather sign the guy who you're going to have for seven. Fair. Right? So... When you when you pushed aside the I'm not trading the fifth overall pick for Alex DeBrinket thing, you you pretty much focused on I'd rather get the guy like who I can secure for longer term. Yep. So I think that they're going after that. But to me, now that you're doing the thing with D'Angelo and the contract is coming, I just don't see how this is supposed to work out without moving JVR in some way. So I like I honestly think if we're gonna sit here. And but it's, you're saying by our next show, but for me, I'll say it this way: If I'm going to write an article on Wednesday that says Johnny Gaudreau is a Philadelphia Flyer, then I'm going to probably need on Monday or Tuesday to write an article that says Flyers trade James and Reams like to blank. Okay. Like I think that that's what needs to happen for this to work. Yep. I and, agree. And I, the only other thing I'll say about the JVR thing is I'd be worried. That it's going to cost something. I agree. That they don't. They shouldn't have to give up to make this work. Fair like, enough. Like, I the last thing that you want to hear right now is that they had to tie that 2024 first, that extra first. Oh my god. To this deal to make it so that so that the seven million's gone. I'm gonna be so irrationally angry if that happens. Now, like I don't. They don't like because they, they just don't have the money. Like at the end of the day, you pretty much right now. I mean, there's look. Here, here's the thing. To try to pull it, put a bow on it. Yeah. If Ryan Ellis is going to go on long-term injured reserve, right, and that'll save you some dollars. Sure, because it's six point two five million dollars that right. you're going to try to remove from the whole thing right now, right? If that happens, and you already are banking on the five million for D'Angelo, let's just say it's going to be the five. Forget what Gaudreau would make. You need to come up with more money, right? Yep. Um. So, okay, so let's take the six point two five for the LTIR thing. Add in, let's be reasonable about it. Let's not say the full seven, but let's say five out of seven for JVR. Sure, you might have to eat a couple bucks there. Right. So let's so let's say that that's eleven point two five million dollars. Gaudreau could potentially make ten and a half. 
and no, and D'Angelo's making five. So that's $15.5 million to counter 11.25. How do you do that? How do you make the in between, up the in-between? It's something else, something else has to move. Well, you send down when the roster starts. You send down every minor league. You know, waiver Everybody exempt. with a two-way contract. Right, Everybody eligible. Every waiver exempt guy, which means Noah Cates, you're not on the final roster. Wink, wink. You'll be up for the first no, game. Until right. we move Ryan Ellis to LTIR and you come back. Sure. Um, you can do it with him. You can do it with York. You can do it with a couple with some of these other younger guys if they make it. You can also put Oscar Limblom on waivers, knowing that teams are looking at him right now and going, not really it's not about the player, but it's I don't want the three million dollar cap hit. Right. Most teams by that stage of the season can't They're, afford it. Can't, right. They just don't have that. So idea. you pass him through waivers, get him to the other side, and now what did I just open up? Four and a half mil, four point seven five mil. I think I just bridged the gap here. Chuck Fletcher has a lot of thinking to do. Uh, so we will be back for our next show. We haven't exactly talked about when we're recording it yet. We'll figure it out. Uh, we will talk about it on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Kevin will tweet about it at Kevin underscore Durso. Make sure to follow us in both those places. Uh, you can find this show everywhere you find your podcast: Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, SportsTalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. We're on YouTube. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow over there, and uh, we'll be back next week. And then we're settling back into the the every other week for the summer. And then we're gonna have to get creative. Yeah, we have probably Good. one one more big show, and then from then on, the news will be a little more sporadic. So uh, yeah. be sure to come back next week because it's gonna be a good one. So until then, we'll see you.